Corinthians chapter 12. I'm continuing my series through 1 Corinthians that I started a while back. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And again, just pull out those message notes and follow along this morning. I have to let you know that next Sunday is our Hope Friendship Sunday. And we're hoping that you continue to invite people to come to church, use those invitation cards. There are some back on the back table if you didn't get one last Sunday. And in fact, this past week, I encountered one of the people that I wanted to invite to church. And I gave him a card and I said, would you come to church next Sunday? And he said, I'll be there. I'll be there. So I'm excited to have my friend. And this next couple of days, I'll continue to invite some more friends I've written down and I've been praying for. So just use those invite cards. And remember, next Sunday is our barbecue. After church this morning, would you please sign up? We want you to bring either a, a main dish, excuse me, a salad or dessert or a side dish and there are sign-ups. And we still need people to help clean up. We have plenty of help for setting up, but we need people to help clean up. So would you sign this list? It's back in the back table as you go out this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's read, let's follow along as I read this morning. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and that no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To the one there is given the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gift of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another the ability to speak in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives to each one just as he has determined. Verse 12. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is made up of one part not of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body and every one of them just as he wanted them to be. May God bless the reading of his word. And just keep your finger there. And as I preach my message this morning, we'll refer to scripture in this particular passage. I heard about a police report this past week. This was a police report. This is actually what the police reported, and it was reported in the local paper of that community. Evidently, there was an elderly lady, and when she got finished shopping at the mall, she went out to try to find her car. 
and she brought along all of her bags, and all of a sudden she approached her car and she saw four strange men in her car. She dropped her bags, she pulled out her handgun, this is a true story, she pulled out her handgun and she said, get out of my car! And those four fellows did not wait for a second invitation. They got out of there and they took off running. They scrambled. They ran like mad. She picked up her bags and she put them in the back seat. She took out her car key. Actually, she got in the driver's seat. The small problem is the key would not fit the ignition. <laughs> it would not fit the ignition because it wasn't her car. Five cars down, she found her car, dropped off the bags in the back seat, drove to the police station. The sergeant, after she told him the story, was split in two with laughter. And he pointed at the other end of the counter where four pale men were reporting a carjacking by a crazed lady. <laughs> what a weird lady. <laughs> Uh, we all knew that. In fact, Judy told me this last week that she did the same thing, except she didn't pull out a gun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's always, is it true, there's always, in, in, in any context, there's always misunderstandings. It's so easy to misinterpret. It's so easy to figure out that we've uh, gone to the wrong car, that we've heard something said that wasn't said by another person. And, and it can lead to conflict. It can lead to conflict. And this Corinthian church that we've been preaching through, this Corinthian series, and, and we've seen, this church unfortunately had a, a lot of conflict. They just did not know often how to get along with one another. And sometimes they exercised their freedoms to the point where people with weaker consciences were being led back into sin. But the Apostle Paul, despite all of these things, had hope. He had hope for the Corinthian church that they could turn the corner, they could get rid of their problems, they could get along with one another. He had a bright hope for them. Well, in today's text... The Apostle Paul deals with another sinful attitude that was causing further divisions and dissension in the church. And this particular problem is found in chapters 12 and 13 and 14. Next Sunday we'll be in the so-called love chapter, and I'm going to be preaching about the all-consuming love that we read about there. But this particular problem that he addresses is really a problem that has happened down through church history of the present. Here it is in a nutshell. There were people in the Corinthian church who had a superior or haughty attitude because they believed that they had a superior spiritual gift. And it manifested itself in many, many different ways. They believed that because of the spiritual gift that they possessed, 
that it put them on a level above other people and other individuals. And their attitudes came across like this. My ministry and my gift and my position is far superior than yours because I have this particular gift mix. Because of my gift and special position, I'm in a league of my own or a class of my own. Because I have this intimacy with God through my superior gift, don't put me in some sort of obscure position because I need to be put in the limelight, so to speak. What was the gift that they were having problems with? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13 and 14, the Apostle Paul mentions the word tongues, tongues, numerous times. Over a dozen times that word is mentioned. For the 21st century church, it could be any spiritual gift. It could be the gift of prophecy. It could be the gift of preaching. It could be the gift of teaching. It could be the gift of administration. It could be the gift of mercy. It could be the gift of discernment. It could be the gift of even hospitality. Where one person, because they have this particular gift mix, or they have these certain spiritual gifts, they feel like they are elevated, and they need to be put in a position where they are exercising that spiritual gift in a very, very public way. But for the first century church, unfortunately, right here, it was the issue of tongues. Um, I would like to just digress for a moment. And I would like to lay out the brief history of tongues up to the present. This has been a hot-button issue even in the 20th century. Not as much here of late as it was just a couple of decades ago. But in Acts chapter 2, we read that the early church experienced what was called tongues, or speaking in other languages, and it was some sort of sign gift given to the church to let the church know that God was there in a special way. And in Acts chapter 2, we believe that these individuals were speaking in other people's languages, other known languages, and they did not know those languages before the Holy Spirit gave them this particular gift. Are you following me? And so they spoke in the languages of the Medes and of the of these individuals we read in Acts chapter 2. Um, and we read about it also in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14. And with one or two exceptions, it does not reappear. It disappears from the church and does not reappear until um, the early 1900s. And in the early 1900s, in what was called the Azusa Street Revival, several denominations were born out of that. The Assemblies of God, the Four Square Church, uh, the Pentecostal Church of God, all emphasizing, and by the way, still emphasizing today, that the initial and primary evidence of being spirit-filled is speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues. And uh, then something happened with a different twist. In the early 1960s, primarily out of what was called the Jesus movement, 
a couple of denominations were born. Calvary Chapel, uh, Costa Mesa. We're all familiar with the Calvary Chapel movement. We have a Calvary Chapel church in our community. And also uh, Vineyard Christian Fellowship and a number of other churches. These were neo-Pentecostal churches. And these folks had a different twist on tongues. The traditional Assemblies of God, the Foursquare Church, taught that the evidence of being spirit-filled was speaking in tongues. But these new churches did not believe that. They believed that speaking in tongues was one of the many gifts, not the gift. You understand the difference of what I'm saying here. And so, while the mainline Pentecostal churches would say Acts chapter 2, they were speaking in heavenly languages, these new Pentecostal churches would say, no, Acts chapter 2, they spoke in known languages, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13 and 14, the Apostle Paul is talking about heavenly languages, ecstatic utterances, etc., etc. Now, um, and these Neo-Pentecostal churches would still say uh, in their teaching that it's important, even though it's one of many gifts, it's still important to do this, especially in private and sometimes in public. Now, of course, non-speaking, tongue-speaking churches um, reacted against both movements. And, and, and I could give you arguments where our particular denomination uh, has landed on this position. And perhaps I'll write a pamphlet one of these days because I don't really have time to go into that this morning. But let me just say this. While we are a non-tongue-speaking church per se... I have very, very close family members. You do too, probably. I have very, very close family members and friends who do speak in ecstatic utterances. And some of you have told me that you do this as well. And I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. Let me say in response, if you will just stay with me for just a moment, that I will never embarrass you, I will never put you down, if you speak in ecstatic utterances in private. That is, if you don't embarrass me. And how you say, Pastor Ron, how can we embarrass you? If you were to speak in tongues in a public worship service, do you understand a non-speaking tongues church and a person that speaks in tongues would be out of order, Right? It would cause disunity. And so, just as long as you don't speak in tongues publicly in our worship service, I'll never embarrass you and say and put you down for that. And number two, if you don't aggressively push your tongue speaking on other people. I don't even care if you were to say, hey, this is my experience. I don't want you to hide anything. Share your experience. But don't aggressively push it on other people and especially don't tell other people that it is the evidence of being spirit-filled. It may be one of the gifts, but it's not the evidence for being spirit-filled. Well, let's go on. Let's go back to the Corinthian church. So, some of these individuals were really emphasizing this particular gift. 
they were emphasizing and they were pushing it and it's to such an extreme that it was causing disunity and it was causing division in the church. And so Paul, in response, he makes several key points in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want you to notice how the Apostle Paul counters this, this overemphasis on one spiritual gift, this superior attitude that was coming across. First of all, he acknowledges, he acknowledges, stay with me, he acknowledges that when we become a Christian, that everyone receives at least one spiritual gift. Everybody receives at least one spiritual gift. Many of us have more than one spiritual gift. And he also acknowledges and he teaches that every single spiritual gift is important to the church. Everyone is important to the church. And there is, on a scale of 1 to 10, every single spiritual gift is a 10 plus. Everyone is a 10 plus. There is no spiritual gift that is superior than any other spiritual gift. None. Now, those who teach Sunday school classes, those who teach children's church, those who have the gift of teaching, those who work in the nursery area, those who mow the lawn, those who weed eat, those who have the gift of helps, those who have the gift of hospitality, those who do all of these things, you're just as important as the preacher up here preaching. You're just as important as the front people and the musicians up front. You're just as important. All of those of you who have these spiritual gifts and you exercise them behind the scenes, so to speak, are important to the body of Christ. You're a ten. This is what the Apostle Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verses 4 through 7 with me. Notice he says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Look at verse 7 with me. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. There is spiritual gifts that are widely distributed in the body of Christ. And God has given each one of us, when we became a Christian, a spiritual gift. And some of us have more than one spiritual gift. There's a multitude of spiritual gifts given to the church for the common good to help build up the body of Christ. Now the moment, the very moment that you became a Christian, you received a spiritual gift from God. It was, it's not something that you work up. It's not something that you can conjure up. It's not something that you can, you can um, you know, uh, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. It is God's grace given to you the moment that you became a Christian. You have a spiritual gift given by God. It's a special gift given to Him, given to you by Him. And this is absolutely amazing to me. You want to think about it. These spiritual gifts that we're going to be talking about in just a moment, we'll see what they are, although this is not an exhaustive list here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but these spiritual gifts, widely distributed in the church, is as though God has, you might want to say, as a Christian person, God has wrapped you in a gift package, and he's put a bow on top, and he says, you are a special gift to the body of Christ. Each one of you, with the spiritual gifts that you have, you are wrapped up by God himself. You've been given these spiritual gifts, and they're, they're widely, there's a variety of spiritual gifts in any local church that's given. And you have been given this gift, and you are to be a gift to the church. 
Now, we are saved for ministry. We're saved for ministry. In just a moment, you'll see what I'm talking about. I didn't have time to put this on the overhead this morning, but if you want to write down these scriptures to look at them in just a moment, I'd invite you to do so. Galatians 1.15, Galatians 1.15, Ephesians 4.1, Ephesians 4.1, 1 Peter 2, 5, 9, and 10. All of these scriptures refer to the fact that you have been called by God, gifted by God, given spiritual gifts to be ministers in God's church. Ministers in God's church. I love those letterheads that you see sometimes. It will have the name of the pastor, and then it will have ministers, the word ministers, and then it will say something like the church, the John Day Church of the Nazarene, the Evangelical Free Church. All of us are called to be ministers. The moment that we become a Christian, we are called in the ministry. My primary identity is not as a, as a husband or a wife or a father as a, or a mother or a son or a daughter. God says, our, our primary identification is that we are ministers of, of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to look at all the variety of different spiritual gifts mentioned. Look at verses 8 through 11 with me. Look at it with me. To the one, there is given the spirit and the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gift of healing that once by the one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. He's talking about discernment. To another, the ability to speak in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of these tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. And he gives to each of them just as he has determined. Now, look at verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ, and the, each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then the workers of miracles, also having the gift of healing, those who have the gift of helps, helpers, those with the gift of administration, and again, those speaking in different kinds of tongues. And there are many, many different spiritual gifts to be used in ministry. Again, the moment that we are saved, we are called into ministry to be ministers of Jesus Christ. You see, a non-serving Christian is a contradiction. It's a contradiction. Because the moment, again, that we're saved, we're given a spiritual gift and we're called to ministry. And so if I'm not serving, if I'm not using my spiritual gift, then I am robbing, listen, I'm robbing myself of a blessing and I'm robbing the body of Christ of blessings as well. Does that make sense? Why would God give you a spiritual gift if he did not want you to use it in the local body of Christ? And yet a lot of people don't even know what their spiritual gifts are. You say, Pastor Ron, I don't even know what my spiritual gifts are. Well, I want you to write down on that communication card, Pastor, please teach another class 301. And I'll teach another class, 301, about how you can get involved in ministry. 
and how you can discover what your spiritual gifts are. We are called to minister to other people. We have spiritual gifts. And when I don't minister, and when you don't minister, we're robbing ourselves of blessings, and we're robbing ourselves of blessing the body of Christ. I want you to imagine this morning with me living on bread and water. Living on bread and water. It would keep you alive. But while you were... um, but your body would be affected. Your immune system would be affected. The ability to prevent disease would be affected. Uh, pretty soon, if you lived on bread and water, after uh, a few days, a few weeks, maybe a month or two, there would be a yellow pallor about you. Your hair eventually would begin to fall out. And your gums would start bleeding. And pretty soon, your teeth would fall out. Yes, you can live on bread and water alone, but you need more sustenance. You need more health. You need more vitality. You need to eat more than just bread and water. In verses 12 through 27 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul mentions the body 17 times in this particular passage of Scripture. 17 times he mentions the body. And he uses the analogy that Jesus is a head and that you and me and we're all a part of the body of Christ. Some of us are the eye body parts. Some of us are the ear body parts. Some of us are the hand body parts. Some of us are the feet body parts. Some of us are the internal organ body parts that are not that seen that well. And he says the body is put together in such a way as to be healthy, as to stand up, and to be united together in winning people to Jesus Christ, my paraphrase, in fighting against old snaggletooth, in doing all the things necessary to be healthy, to have all of these gifts, to use them in such a way. Well, I want you to notice the second point that I believe the Apostle Paul makes this morning. He also, I believe, asserts, he asserts this, that the body, while the body is made up of all these different parts, different gifts, We need one another. We need one another. The body of Christ, I'll say one more time, needs our ministry. I want you to look at verse 15. Look at verse 15 with me. The the foot body part, look at at verse 15. The foot body part cannot say to the, um, the hand body part, I got that backwards, The foot body part cannot say to the hand body part, I don't need you, and vice versa. The hand body part can't say to the foot body part, I don't need you. Look at verses 16 to 17. The eye body part can't say to the ear body part that I don't need you, and vice versa. Look at verse 21 with me. The eye body part cannot say to the hand body part that I don't need you, and vice versa. What happens when my eye body part gets a speck of dust in it. I need the finger body part to wipe out the dust away uh, from my eye body part. Listen, church. When, when you don't use your spiritual gifts, and when I don't use my spiritual gifts, when we don't fulfill ministry that God has given us, people are cheated. The body of Christ is cheated. The body of Christ is weakened. Because God has widely distributed all these spiritual gifts to be used in the church body. 
Yes, you can use your spiritual gifts outside of the church. But did you know the scripture indicates and teaches that you've been given the spiritual gifts primarily to use in Christ's body? Primarily in Christ's body. In the church. Now, let me get more specific. Did you know that there are many different ways that you can serve in our church? And like I said, you can take this class and you can find out your spiritual gifts and you can find out how to serve. Currently, currently, we need volunteers working in children's church and working in our nursery area. Children's church and nursery area. And I'm sure that God has given those spiritual gifts, they're widely spread throughout the body of Christ, that each one of us could take a turn in children's church and nursery and not one person having to carry the whole load to do that. You understand what I'm trying to say? You're not too old to serve. You've already served in the nursery. I already did my time. Come on now. One or two Sundays, one Sunday a month, one or two Sundays a year, you can still do that. You're still capable of doing that. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard to bend over. I know it's hard to work with those kids. But you can do that. Did you know that often we still need people to volunteer their time to do work around our building? Did you know that? We need maintenance. Our buildings need a lot of maintenance. We had a work day and we had half a dozen people that showed up and we got a lot of stuff done. But we still need maintenance. And I believe that God has given the gift of helps and it's widely distributed and many of you have the gift of helps and you could volunteer your time and you could paint or you could clean or you could scrape the paint off the buildings you need to scrape off or you could do some repairs around our church. Widely distributed. Currently, we have a number of needs for a number of things. And I believe that the body of Christ needs to step forward and people, when they don't use their spiritual gifts, they're not only cheating themselves, but they're cheating the body of Christ. And those are only just a few examples. There's many, many more. Now, this is a true story. This is a true story that I read about a while back. A lady called a pastor of a megachurch after hours. He picked up the phone and she said, we're looking for a church. We're looking for a church. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. It just, it just it's so funny to me. Okay. We're looking for a church where we can be blessed. The pastor replied, that's fine. But we're looking for church members that can bless the church. She replied, no, 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 you don't understand. We want to be fed. Did you know that's a mantra today? We want to be fed. You could stand on your head. You could preach God's word two hours at a time. You could go through the whole exposition, but people would still say, we want to be fed. I want you to listen to what, how he responded to that. He said, you don't understand, ma'am. We're looking for members that can feed others. She said, I don't understand. What kind of church is this? And I would say in response, it's the New Testament church. It's the church that Jesus died for. It's the church that Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. I came to minister to other people. You see, the kingdom of God is not about me. The kingdom of God is about others. The kingdom of God is not about what I want. It's not about all the things that I wish I had. It's not about the songs I like. It's not about the messages that I like. 
It's not about me. I get saved so that I can serve other people. Not sit back and judge people and look down your nose and say, oh, they don't have this and they don't have that and oh, they don't have this and there's not a nursery over here and I can't do this or whatever it may be. If there's something that you see in a church and you don't like about it, step in and volunteer and make it right. Amen? We don't come to church to get. We come to church to serve. And this is such a difficult message for the 21st century. But this is a message that the Christian people need to hear. What kind of church? The body of Christ needs you. The body of Christ needs your ministry. The body of Christ needs your spiritual gifts. The body of Christ is only healthy as much as you are working, as much as you are involved, as much as you give. I want you to notice the third thing here I believe Apostle Paul teaches. I think the Apostle Paul in this particular passage to Scripture, he, he aggressively teaches that God is the one God is the one that puts it all the pieces together. God's the one that puts all the parts together. He's the one that gives all the gifts. He's the one that dis- widely distributes. He's the one that empowers us. He's the one that does all of this stuff in the body of Christ. He's the one that gives us these spiritual gifts. He's the one that brings it all together. I want you to look at chapter 12, and I want you to look at verse 18 with me. Notice. But in fact... God has arranged, would you circle that word if you'd like to circle, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Uh, Drop down to verse 24. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, notice, God has combined, if you'd like to circle, he's combined, he's combined, he's put it all together, the members of the body, and, and, and has given great honor to the parts that lacked it. Verse 28. And in the church, God has appointed. Circle that word appointed. First of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers. In other words, he's arranged, he's combined, he has appointed. It all comes from God. It all comes from God. The gifts, the talents, the skills, the ministry, the power for service. What does that mean? That means that everything needed to make a healthy church is right here this morning, right here. Everything needed to make a healthy church go is right here this morning. Because God has widely distributed all of these spiritual gifts. And therefore, we're just waiting for people, praying for people to understand that and to step forward and say, Yes. Yes, Lord. I'll be willing to serve. I'll be willing to do anything you want me to do. Did you know... This is what somebody said years ago. That when you're in the boat rowing and you're busy working and you're not a passenger, you don't have time to be critical. Right? Because you're working. You don't have time to look around and snub your nose and look down your nose. If you don't like the way a Sunday school class is being taught, then why don't you step forward and do a better job? If you're complaining about an adult Sunday school teacher, then why don't you step forward and say, I'm going to teach. If you're complaining that we don't have enough going on with our children, then step forward and volunteer. 
if you're complaining that there's something lacking or missing with the youth, why don't you volunteer and say, can I help you? Can I assist you? Can I do something? It's so easy to be critical when you're not in the boat and you're not rowing and you're not involved in ministry. What does this mean? It means that God has given us, each one of us, spiritual gifts to use in the body of Christ. And when we use those spiritual gifts, the body is healthy and the body grows and people blossom and people are one to Christ and uh, the, the gospel uh, affects people's lives. Let's say, let's say that uh, our church was a little bit bigger and we, uh, we saw a need, the church board saw a need to hire a part-time junior high person. We've got Pastor Brad working with senior high, and now we have so many kids that we need to hire a part-time junior high person. And so we come up uh, with a, a job description. We come up with questions that we're going to ask uh, these individuals. And two people step forward. Two people already working with junior high kids. Two people that are equal in every aspect. Two people that are outstanding candidates to be a part-time junior high youth pastor for our church. Did you know that there is one question, one question that I would ask of each of those people, I would insist that that question was asked. Here's the question. Above all the questions that I would insist on asking, face to face, eyeball to eyeball, knee to knee, tell me, I would ask each candidate, if you were not chosen, if you were not chosen for this position, if you did not get this part-time paid junior high position, would you continue to serve and minister using your energy and your time and your gifts and talents working with junior high kids anyway? Would you do that? It's God's church. I would hope. I would hope. I would hope. I would pray that if I wasn't called in the full-time ministry, I still would be involved in God's church. I still would teach because that's one of my gifts. I still would be involved in helping other people because I believe I have the gifts of helps. I, I hope that I would still be able to encourage people because I think I have the gift of encouragement. I would hope and pray that I would continue to exercise those spiritual gifts. I exercise those as a pastor. But if I retired or something happened to me, I stepped out, I would pray that I would continue to be able to exercise those gifts because 
That's how God's gifted me. I, I want to close this morning. I, I'm done preaching. And, and uh, I, I wanted to tell you that children's story. You guys remember? Do you remember the story of the little engine that could? You remember that story? little engine that could. Here's a train load of toys. And you remember that they needed it to deliver to the village on the other side of the mountain. Train load of toys needed to be delivered to the other side of the mountain. And the powerful engine, the powerful engine that pulled the, all the passengers was asked to help. And the passenger train replied, I am too busy. I am too important to deliver those packages to those children. The next engine was the working engine pulling the long freight trains, freight cars, and he was approached. And the freight car train said, I am too busy pulling all of the machinery that runs the world. When all else failed, the little switch engine, the little switch engine in the train yard was asked. He knew how small and little he was. He knew how weak he was. He knew what a credible big hill there was all the way up and on the other side. But he thought to himself, I'll give it a try. He went up that hill with all of those gifts and all those presents. And he kept saying, what did he keep saying? What did he say? I think I can. 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 I know you can. What's holding us back? I know that you can use your spiritual gifts. You don't know them? Then take the class. But many of us know what our spiritual gifts are. But for one reason or another, we get so preoccupied in our life that we say, not me. I can't do it. Let somebody else do it. The little engine that could climbing that hill. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And he made it up the hill and down the other side. And all the children came out and were happy and were blessed because the little switch engine said yes, said yes.